the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen, and we certainly need all of those that we can get these days. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and I'm joined by my co-host and professional radio host, radio host Don Dix. And, um, you know, I, I watched, well, we both spend a lot of time on the internet, be nice if we got if we, if we had lives, but we don't. So we spend time on on the internet. And I saw a speech by our friend and the speaker at the last Unite IE conference, Katie Hopkins, to the David Horowitz Freedom Center, and it, it's twenty nine minutes long. I watched it once. I watched it again. And then I preparing for our interview because we have Katie on the show with us. I watched it again and made some notes, and we'll include it in a link for this week's show. It is an. an fantastically good speech both it's humorous but it's also in terms of the attack on western civilization that's underway she lays that out in a very clear and concise way that is it's it's brilliant so we're always pleased to have um katie on the show and she has a book she has a book out called rude which had the most innovative book marketing strategy I've ever seen. She told people not to read her book because it was too rude. <laughs> Don't read it. Don't, Don't read, read it. my book. Absolutely. And Katie Hopkins from the UK joins us on the Unite I Radio Show. Katie, welcome into the show. Thank you so much uh, for that kind introduction. And also, um, thank you so much for um, listening to that speech three times. That's real dedication. And I really appreciate that kind of commitment. I'm not sure I would have wanted to hear it three times, but I do, I do appreciate it. And it was a really fun speech to give and a great audience. And, I'm, um, you know, it's, it's thrilling to be able to speak in America uh, because America still has a chance to save itself. And speaking of saving itself, you are on the same in the same hemisphere as a bunch of folks that were wearing yellow vests that appeared to have been saying enough is enough and are wanting to save themselves. Tell us what you can about what you're hearing about the yellow vesters pushing back against this tax on fuel and climate change. Yeah, it's been fascinating. I uh, met across the tree. There's a movement of people and they're wearing these yellow vests, the gilets jaunes, as they're known. Um, they have these yellow vests because uh, the French government makes everybody in a vehicle carry a fluorescent yellow vest. So that's where everybody has them. And they have organized themselves online. They've become a massive movement of people. And in response to Macron raising the tax on fuel in order to signal his 
environmental credentials to the people he's trying to impress in Europe. They have organised massive po protests that have been highly sophisticated, highly organised, fuel depots, for example, being barricaded, routes and transport links being stopped or prevented from moving. And finally, more aggressively, I would say, there were protests in France, which some of your good listeners may have seen the images of, where unfortunately graffiti and other things were sprayed on the Arc de Triomphe. But it really was as if it was a war zone in Paris. But as a result, and in order to try and calm the atmosphere and calm the power of the yellow jackets, the yellow vests, Macron has said no more to the fuel tax. He suspended the fuel tax and they have therefore scored something of a victory against the individuals who will put environment first, but of course at the expense of and to the cost of ordinary people who need to commute to work and who don't live in cities with brilliant transport links. It's interesting what it takes to get people to, in essence, rebel and refuse and stand up and say, we're not going to take this anymore. There was a famous movie in America back in the 1970s where the guy goes to his window and yells, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And, and of course, he became a TV star as a result of that. But uh, what, you know, gas is already $7 a gallon in France. Taxes are, I mean, for Americans, they'd be almost incomprehensibly high. There's this mass Muslim immigration where the streets are, in many places, they're just, they're just not safe. They have no-go zones where the Muslims are in effective control of their own areas outside the jurisdiction of the government. But none of that was enough to move the French. It was just this lightest tax increase that, in essence, was a straw that broke the camel's back and they rose up. Yes, you're absolutely right there. One of the interesting things about the gilet jaune or the yellow jackets, yellow vests as they're called, is uh, the fact that they've been able to mobilise throughout the country, that they're leaderless, so they don't have a leader, so there's nobody the government can get a hold of to negotiate with, but they've been very effective at mobilising online and have made the government change their decision. And there is a lot of people in Britain who are watching Brexit being stolen from under our noses, who are very kind of jealous, who are looking at the French and saying, how come they have got such kind of esprit? How come they have got such passion? How come they have managed to change their government's mind when we're just sitting here watching Brexit being stolen from under our noses? Is there a lesson that we should be learning from what the French have done that possibly could be deployed for preserving Brexit or could be used in other places where we have these elitists that are forcing these uh, conspiracies, and I call man-caused climate change a conspiracy, down our throats in order to advance their political agenda? You know, there's something marvellous about the yellow vest. There's something, you know, for the last couple of weekends I've been following them uh, there's something really um, almost heroic about the way that they've been able to group together uh, and it has been civilised up to a point. My fear 
is that the yellow vest now, as we move into this weekend, there is real fear in France that the yellow vests are going to be joined by a much more violent faction. There is a hashtag being pushed right now by the French government, which is to stop the violence, to stop violence. And armoured military personnel and armoured vehicles are being moved into Paris. There's a real fear that there's going to be a different faction at work this weekend. Um, The Eiffel Tower is being shut down and all museums will be shut down. Um, There is talk about some kind of coup. So so that's the concern with the Mm. Yellow Vests is very quickly they attract a very violent element and that isn't going to be so great to watch, I don't think, this weekend. I think it's going to lose that kind of, you know, solidarity and move into a much more violent space and and that's not going to be good to see. Can they... Can't they move beyond mass protests and getting the government to back off the latest fuel tax increase into a larger movement to take back power from the elites and govern France for the benefit of French people? Mm, Exactly. And I I think that's what we're seeing. We're testing in Europe. It seems like we're testing the different movements. We haven't got it quite right yet. Probably the most sophisticated that there is is Salvini in Italy. He has a mass uh, organised rally in the style of Trump this weekend, which I'm going to um, in Italy, in one of the massive squares in Rome. And it is really just a rally to say, make Italy great again. It's about celebrating Salvini and what he's doing for Italy. That's happening in Italy. At the same time, the same weekend in London, there is a protest standing up for Brexiteers with Tommy Robinson. That's a rally that's likely to turn violent, I think. And then in the same weekend in Paris, you're going to see the Eiffel Tower shut down and the Gilets Jaunes yellow vests on the street. That's happening across Europe on the same day. Uh, You can feel the countries plural, are trying to find a way to fight back. We may not have it right yet, but across all of these different countries, on the same day, on the same weekend, all of these different groups are forming either to celebrate, to protest, or to try and make change happen. I think that's very significant. Let's take a break here, and then let's dive into what's going on with Brexit and the betrayal of democracy with, with that. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with Katie Hopkins after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590 The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 NMLS and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. AM 590, the answer. 
This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio show, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. We have on the line right now with us Katie Hopkins. You can follow her on her Twitter handle. It's the best place to get her up-to-date, up-to-the-minute reporting on a whole variety of topics. She was the one that essentially broke the news about what's happening to white farmers in South Africa. We'll talk a little bit about that. We've been speaking to her about what's unfolding in French with the uh, yellow vesters, if you will, who are pushing back on uh, these higher taxes in order to advance the global agenda of climate change, a carbon tax, if you will, to finance the elite's agenda for uh, changing us from a economy that's predicated upon fossil fuels to an economy of utopian free energy sources coming from the sun, the wind, the moon, who knows what else they're going to cook up. Katie, thank you so much for being with us uh, here on the Unite Inland Empire radio show. It's totally my pleasure and it's a joy to speak to you and I love the way that you describe the use of uh, the fuels that are suggested by event- environmentalists, which is nonsense. And it is a joy that these yellow vesters, the, the gilets jaunes, have managed to overturn the fuel tax. He's taken that policy back. It's a complete U-turn um, and it shows the power of the people when they do work up together uh, to say, no, we will not accept this. That's been a joyous thing to watch. Absolutely. In your own country, there was a popular vote for something called Brexit to remove uh, the UK, at least, or perhaps just England, you can tell us, from the European Union and its uh, failed, what appear to be failed policies. The people voted for it, but it seems like they're having a tough time getting it implemented. What's going on? Mm, Absolutely. So 17.4 million of us, 52%, a clear majority voted to leave. We wanted to get out of the EU. That's all of England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland. What's happened is that the elite, the establishment thought that was the wrong answer. For them, they always wanted remain. They sent a leaflet through our letterboxes, our our, um, our mail system, telling us that the right answer was remain. And as a result, they are not implementing the will of the people. They are not going to allow leave to happen. There's currently a deal on the table, but that word is a lie. It's not really a deal. It's a complete surrender to the EU. We'll still be part of their laws. We'll still be part of their market. We're all but in the EU, but under a badge that says we're out. Um, And now, right now in Parliament, they're discussing trying to overturn that even and keep us in the EU. So the will of the people will be denied. And so the bigger question is, what's going to happen? There's a question that Americans always ask me, which is, where are the Brits? Where are the British men? Where are the protesters? Where are our yellow vests? Uh, And so it's a very frustrating, very disappointing, and I would say very sort of despondent time here in the UK for very many people like myself who voted leave. And the deal, which is called, many people call it the worst deal ever negotiated, although mm. Obama's nukes for Iran deal, we certainly would give it a run for its money as being <laughs> the, the, the worst deal <laughs> ever negotiated. But what it basically does is you're still subject to all EU rules, regulations, mm-hmm. jurisdiction, but you have no say 
Yes. In in the EU. Yes. So you're, you're, you, the United Kingdom becomes a vassal state to the European Union. You're completely right. Completely right. So before we used to turn up at the EU and we had a say and they used to tell us what we had to do and we used to pay them a lot of money and they told us what rules we had to do and, and what shape our bananas were allowed to be, if you can believe that. Uh, it's true. Um, uh, that's one of their rules. Um, but now we go to those meetings. We haven't got a say. We won't have anybody there representing us. Our, our mouths will be gagged, if you will, but we still have all those rules and we still have to pay them money. It is the worst deal in history. Um, and I think there's a, an increasing sense of fatigue from the Brexiteers who just know this is not going to happen. Brexit's not going to happen. And then, of course, you know, I've, I've learned over the last little while that people actually really want to believe their vote matters. I watched it with your midterms as well. Everything that went on in Broward County, people want to believe their vote counts. We want to believe in democracy and we actually hate it when it appears that it's, it's void or it's invalid or it's being overrun by the elite. So as it, as it appears when the Theresa May's deal, she's the Prime Minister of UK, is going to be voted down in Parliament. Mm. What's the, but, you, but you've already mm. given your notice of we're leaving under the European Union Treaty. So what's the default? If Parliament does nothing, yes. passes nothing, what happens? That's exactly right. The default, which we Brexiteers were very excited about, was no deal. Where we walk away, we don't pay them any money, we don't get any rules from them, we go out and we make agreements with trade all over the world and we cease to have the Europeans and the French fish fishing in our waters. We walk away. However, of course, our Parliament, our elite, are not going to allow that to happen. So they are at this very moment manoeuvring to say, well, you either take Theresa May's deal or... You remain in the EU. And that was never the original intention. That was never the original proposal. The original was you take the deal or it's no deal. And no deal is what very many of us are hoping will happen because no deal is precisely what we voted for in the first place. So will Theresa May even survive this defeat as prime minister or is she going to, will she be overthrown either by her own party or by a vote of no confidence in new elections? Well, it's a curious thing. I mean, many of us, most of us, most commentators have said that she's dead in the water at least 50 times, and yet she still endures. She is more enduring in mm. many regards than the migrants who come from Africa, make it over the Med, half drown on the way, get all the way through Europe and make it to the UK. She is like one of them. She is. She endures no matter what, and she's still in that position. I can only say it's because nobody else wants that job because it really is a poison chalice. How she's keeping going, I don't know. And how this country is not protesting, I don't know. But it's a very curious time and a curious time for Europe. And you, you can feel that, you know, what's next? When they come to us and ask for taxes from us or expect us to obey law and order, you know, in a way, why should we? Because if our social contract has gone, if democracy's gone, why would we sign up to restrict our freedoms in order to have pr protect civil society you know very big questions start to come into play you brought up migrant 
You brought up immigration. That yeah. is an issue that is challenging us on our southern border. There are issues we continue to uh, uh, you guys have to deal with over there regarding migration and immigration. We're going to uh, click over to that topic as we continue after the break with Katie Hopkins. You can follow her on her Twitter account at sign K T. Hopkins, that's the letter K, the letter T, Hopkins, our guest here on the Unite IE Radio Show. We will continue with her after a break from our sponsor for this half hour. Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event. Heard weekends here on AM590, The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Abraham Lincoln said that the occasion is piled high with difficulty and we must rise with the occasion. As our case is new, we must think anew and act anew. We must disenthrall ourselves and then we shall save our country. And what's going on we see both in Europe and here we do need to think and act anew if we're going to save our countries and Western civilization. And we have on the line with us one of the greatest defenders of Western civilization, Katie Hopkins, who, like Abraham Lincoln said of Grant, we can't, um, we can't spare her. She fights. Oh, <laughs> bless your heart. That's very kind. Thank you. So we were, we were, when we asked we were going to talk, go over to immigration, that's a huge issue here as our border, southern border is wide open thanks to terrible laws and liberal judges interpreting the terrible immigration laws that anybody can just step across the border and say, I want asylum, and they're just let into the country never to be, never to be seen again. And, of course, there's just been mass, mass migration of um, particularly Muslims, but also from Africa into Europe, and that has dramatically changed the nature and character of Europe, as you have reported, Katie. Um, but that doesn't seem to be there's there's some there's dissent to it, uh, but there doesn't seem to be the critical mass on immigration that we've seen with the fuel tax increase in France. No, absolutely not. And in fact, you know, we're going the other way with this um, to the horror of many of us, particularly people that voted for Brexit, that want our country back, who want to defend uh, what le- what is left of a, a Christian culture that we used to know. Um, our leaders, uh, the Brits, are about to sign up. We're off to, to Morocco, to Marrakesh, on the 10th and the 11th of December. Many of your listeners might be aware of this. Uh, it's the global 
compact on migration and uh, a number of leaders are signing up to this global compact on migration which essentially says we will work together as one global entity we will make our borders fluid we will welcome migrants and we will make it easier safer better more financially lucrative for migrants to come into our countries and very fortunately brave and solid leaders like Trump in America, uh, like Bibi in Israel. Uh, the Australians, too, have rejected this. The Eastern Europeans have stood, uh, stood up and said, no, we're not signing. But sadly, uh, the Brits are going to sign up. The Irish are signing up. Um, the Swedes, the Finnish, they're signing up, too. And they're basically saying, you're welcome to come. We won't detain you when you arrive in our country. And we will make it far quicker for you to get funds from us and welfare from us and we will make it far easier for you to get homes and schools and health care and that's what this global compact says it, it's beyond belief um, that we would and, be and, signing up to something right. like this and this is after you talk about the attack on democracy and not following the will is that mm. the conservative party in the last elections has run on the platform and promised the people if elected we will reduce immigration from the hundreds of thousands every year to the tens of thousands of every year and they and it was a it was a lie and they have intentionally not fulfilled their promise and probably never intended to fulfill the promise. Never intended to. And certainly what what in, you know, who in their right mind would travel to Marrakesh to sign up to a globalist agenda of making it entirely possible for all of Africa and the Middle East to continue their journeys to our countries? You know, and it, there's, there's, I've read the document in detail. There's policies in there that say if you arrive in one country and it's got higher welfare benefits than another, you're entitled to that higher rate of welfare benefit. That's the madness that we're talking about. We're going to continue with Katie Hopkins after the break. We're talking to her right now about the the global problem of migration and immigration and how it's affecting us. We're going to continue with her on that topic, but also we're going to learn what happens when a man who's a convicted rapist decides he identifies as a woman and demands to be put into the woman's prison. Yep, that actually happened over in Europe, and we're going to learn about that along with all the other trans insanity that's happening around the world with Katie Hopkins as we continue on the Unite IE radio show. And we are back to the Unite IE radio show, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizens, speaking to someone who is an ardent defender of the private citizen and of Western civilization, Katie Hopkins. She spoke at the last Unite IE Conservative Conference. We also have been talking to her about some of the topics that she brought up when she spoke at the David Horowitz Restoration Weekend earlier in November. It was uh, an event held between November 15th and 18th. We're going to have some audio from that and talk about some of the topics that she brought up during that 20-minute talk, but we would, or actually 29-minute talk, but we would recommend it highly that you tune into the entirety of that. Worth every minute. Yeah, some of which is a little R-rated. We can't exactly share it on the radio, but it is uh, it's humorous, it's wonderful, and uh, it it is quintessential Katie Hopkins and uh, welcome back to the show with us. We were talking about migration and immigration. And one of the things I wanted to ask you as we talk about that topic, Katie, 
what is it, what is the collective guilt in Western civilization that seems to think that we have to uh, unravel? the progress of Western civilization in order to make amends for whatever the demons are that haunt us from our past history with some of these third world countries? It's a curious question, and it's almost as if, you know, everything that's made us great and everything that's made us stable and civilised nations now has to be unpicked. And one of those um, things predominantly is the family unit. You know, for a very long time, um, the marriage as a, as a central kind of stability, of, of having that stability for a nation, of, of people knowing that at home with their family is where they can find something that they belong to and can believe in. You know, that's been pulled apart and for so long now you know so many other systems of living together have been promoted but the thing that's most heavily promoted in the UK right now um, and has really been I think it's almost a a mental um, condition here is this sort of trans madness we have the trans mafia in the UK it's now officially a hate crime to say that a man can't be a woman it's a hate crime to call a man that now identifies as a woman by his old name, um, that's a hate crime too. So all of these things that I might be talking about now are actually a hate crime in the UK. That's how quickly things move into being a something that's for the judicial system. So now it's absolutely normal in the UK that a guy can now wake up and identify as a woman. He doesn't need to go through any kind of transition surgery and doesn't need to have a certificate from a medical professional to prove it. He can just say, oh, well, yes, Today I was called John and today I'm called Jessica and we have to accept that and it's hate speech if I say anything to the contrary. Carrying the logic to use the term loosely of this trans idea, in UK a convicted rapist said he's now a woman and asked to be sent to women's prison. What could possibly go wrong? Mm. Well, absolutely right. So that's happened in a a number of cases now. Uh, Male prisoners who choose to identify as females will be moved to a female prison. Now, you don't have to have had surgery and you don't have to have a medical certificate now. You can just say, oh, I identify as a woman. So we now have men who committed rapes against women um, when they were men being moved into women's prisons. And then very recently there was a case where um, naturally this male prisoner who said he was a woman attacked his uh, cellmate um, and the phrase that was used in the in the paper the newspaper and I'm sorry to be explicit here was um, she saw her penis poking out of her uniform you know the day that we start to have the phrase her in front of a male member seems to be the date we're being asked to <laughs> accept the absolute madness as Reality. See, but I think I think there's. Uh, it's, it's not just. I think part of this. Part. That- part I mean, it's, it's it's funny. On, it's funny on one level, of course, unless you're the cellmate right. of the male of course, rapist. Of course. Unless you're the cellmate. Okay. Yes. But, but I think I think there's there's is part of this is to undermine Christianity and the family, as you were saying. But I think mm. also part of it is this: it is to teach that two plus two is whatever we tell you it is today, or whatever you feel like it should be. So mm-hmm. if, if two, that's so true. So if two plus, if we think two plus two serves our political interests, and it's five, it's five today. 
It might be 17 next week, and it might be three next month, but, it's, but there is no, there's no objective truth. It's only what we, the elites, what the government tell you. Yes, that, that's absolutely correct. And, and there's, a, there's a line here, I, you know, I'm not really one for being a, oh, what about with the rights of women? But there is a line here where the lizard starts to eat its own tail, where we just had an event, a cycling, an, an international cycling finals, and the winner of the women's international cycling fo- uh, finals was a, a, a woman called Rachel, who actually is and was a man. So you've got this enormous individual on first place in the podium who is built like a man looks like a man but now calls himself Rachel and of course he's beaten she's beaten the second and third placed uh, individuals so now female sport is actually under threat because these men are now allowed to compete as women and how as women are we ever going to compete of course we're not going to it happened in Connecticut recently uh, the the 100 and 200s were won by a former uh, boy a former man you know what so uh, what point now are we going to have athletics where it's just all men? You know, women are going to be uh, gendered out of the game because we can't compete with those who now identify as women. I mean, it's utter insanity. And of course, we need some kind of new equity program to now give affirmative action to help women into athletics. They're now, they're now being beaten in by the former men. Mm. And Karen, again, yes. again, using the, logic, the word logic... Loosely carrying this to its logic extreme, we had a case in the Netherlands that you mentioned in your speech where some 69-year-old guy decides, you know, I'd be rather be 49, and he applied to legally change his age. Yeah, bless his heart. You know, I had a lot of sympathy for him. I rather liked his attitude. He said that, you know, on these online dating apps uh, like Tinder or whatever, that he would have much more success with his face, which he's obviously proud of. He's quite a good looking guy, to be fair, um, if he was able to say he was 49. So he said, well, people can legally change their gender. I want to legally change my age, which, you know, made me laugh in a way, but he's just been rejected. But it just shows that we're now in a world where, as you say, there is no real truth. There's just whatever it is is you want to believe and he was like well I want to believe I'm 49 so they've said that no legally he's not allowed to but I rather I'd rather admire him for making the point actually um and certainly the trans mafia are well into our school network um we had a terrifying case the other day that I was alerted to of a a lady just like myself who went to parents evening you have parents evening in the states right of course you go along and you listen to the teachers yeah yeah um she went to parents evening she found out at parents' evening, regular school, just like my kids go to down the road, her daughter, since the start of the term, had been registered as a boy at school because the rule is that schools can transition a child without the parents needing to be informed. In, in America. Good Lord. In America, there's a, there's a case where... That was in the UK, but yeah. yeah. In, America, there's, in America, there's a case where mother wants to... Eight-year-old child... And the child's going mm. in for the surgery over the, over the objections of father. So at eight years old, to, to satisfy this woman's liberal ego and so she, so she can feel good about herself, she's going to go cut yes. off her, her son's, you know what, at eight years old. 
and it's, and it's I so think this tragic. this is the case also where there's a divorce yes. going on, and so this is this is a, this child is at the center of a custody mm-hmm. battle. Dad wants the child to remain, uh, you know, as himself. The mother, as Greg says, uh, wants to uh, you know go on her liberal mm-hmm. uh, fantasy of being able to defy science, logic, and all others it's to be so, able to change so this child's upsetting. sex. Yeah, it's it's traumatic, and I, and I think you know. Um, where I come from at this, it's not some kind of weird anti-trans thing, actually. I don't really care if you're a 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 20-year-old, whatever. You want to say that you're a man or a woman today. I don't actually mind. I don't really care what you do. It's not my business. It's fine. You can call yourself a unicorn if you want. But just don't ask me to believe it. Don't ask me to subscribe to your madness. You know, I will never agree that a man who chops off his whatever or doesn't is now a woman. But I'm very happy that you want to to say you are just don't make me agree to that don't make me you know don't charge me with hate speech just because i won't concur with your madness that that's where it's overstepped the boundary i think it is and it is it is as you say all of this is to undermine the building block of western civilization which is the family unit it provides the stability that has helped us to build a civilization uh, that we have now uh, the protections of that civilization uh, we're making a little bit of light of this and it it it, it it does require a, a serious contemplation, but there's an even more dire situation unfolding in South Africa that you were keen to document early on, and now it's getting uh, a little bit of attention in the media, but not quite uh, enough. Uh, you have pinned to the top of your Twitter feed a picture uh, that's extremely horrific and graphic of an 81-year-old white farmer who was tortured. Uh, we're going to get into that and what is actually unfolding in South Africa with one of the first people to go there and document our document this our guest for this hour on the Unite IE radio show Katie Hopkins you can follow her at the at sign which is the uh, way that you navigate Twitter at sign K T Hopkins and uh, she all of her observations about Western civilization are warehoused there as well as her website. We'll continue with Katie Hopkins after a break for this uh, moment to honor one of our sponsors for the United IA Radio Show. All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back with Katie Hopkins after this message. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. One of the subjects that Katie, our guest, Katie Hopkins, the incomparable, uh, whose mission is to tell the truth that is not being told. She made a documentary about what's happening in South Africa 
And supposedly after the fall of the white government, it was, it was going to be a racial nirvana, and, but it's not working out that way. And the, pic, the tweet she has pinned to her top of her page shows that. What's going on in South Africa, Katie? Yeah, I mean, in brief, um, what happened in Zimbabwe is now happening in South Africa. So you have a uh, African National Congress, the ANC, in charge. One of their main policies that's pushed very heavily and has been pushed through Parliament is land expropriation without compensation. And in layman's terms, that means we're taking back the land from the whites. They have a song that they sing. Uh, one of their groups, the EFF, just sort of a subgroup of government, sings, kill the Boer, kill the white man. I've watched them sing this. They, they chant, they jump, they sing, kill the Boer, kill the white man, kill the Boer, kill the white man. And systematically, white farmers are being cleansed from the land in South Africa. There was a policeman that I spoke to, a serving policeman who spoke to me because he said it was his moral duty to speak to me, um, despite what would happen if he was caught. And he says that within two years, there will be no more white farmers on the land and they are being plucked off one by one. And people on the left, the Democrats, all of those who don't want to talk about this, who say it's some kind of alt-right white supremacist conspiracy theory, um, they say, well, South Africa is a very dangerous place. These sorts of things happen. There's a lot of murder all of the time. And of course there is. But if you look at the murder rate per the head of farmers that exist, it's exceedingly high. And the other thing is that when these white farmers are attacked in their homes by the black gangs, they are very often uh, tortured for many hours, three, four hours by the gangs before they are killed. Um, it's a very distressing thing. I've met victims, I've met survivors, I've met wives who now survive without their husbands, one of whom, uh, Mariandra, gave birth to uh, their son six days after she buried her husband mm. who was shot in front of her and her little girls. Um, those are the real victims. Um, and the gentleman that we're just discussing there, who I've put his photo, it's horrific, but it's on my Twitter feed because it... it, it it angers me and it upsets me so greatly that people deny this is happening. Uh, an 81 or two-year-old gentleman, they wrapped a towel around his head and then they boiled a cauldron of water and they tipped it onto his head so that boiling water would stay on his skin. Um, and that's the distressing truth. Uh, that's going on every day, every week. We just had a, a rugby player who was shot three times. Uh, he's managed to survive, we think, still. Um, but that's happening all the time. And, and that's the reality of South Africa. And, of course, very soon they'll be out of food. Very soon they'll be coming to our governments to ask for food aid. And, of course, our governments will carry on and provide it. And the really upsetting thing for me is, of course, that racism seems to only happen one way if you're black. If you're white, um, the world doesn't seem to care. And I find that very difficult to stomach. And, and one of the things I love about the South Africans is they are very American in nature. You know, they believe in two things, even those who have been attacked, like Bernard, who lost his father, says, I believe in God and the land. I will not leave this land. I will shed my blood for the land. I will die in my boots for the land. There's something very biblical about that. Mm. There's also something intrinsically American about that because you guys are all about your country, you know, your flag um, and your family. And that, you know, God and the flag is very strong. It really links America and South Africa. And I'm hoping one day, you know, South African farmers will be able to 
come to a place of safety and of freedom in America. But but for right now, it is a very distressing thing. And, and we will see uh, no whites in South Africa within our lifetime, I believe. One of the things you talked about in your great speech to the David Horowitz Freedom Center was the South, white South African farmers preparing to make what you call the, their final stand and perhaps them mm. in the more broader sense that they're kind of leading in the decline of Western civilization and the idea of pulling back into mm. defensible space. That's exactly right. Thank you for, um, you know, for, for listening to that so carefully. I appreciate it. Um, really, I do. I, I this this retreat to defendable space i i see it explicitly in south africa i'm in touch with the sudlanders there who are training families uh, to defend themselves training them in the art of uh, storage and warfare uh, ready to pull back to a space they will defend that's that planning is happening right now in south africa but i also see it here in the uk where many families i know are looking to retreat to Eastern Europe to retreat to a Christian culture. Many of my Jewish friends in London and in Germany are looking to retreat to and are on the move to Israel, this retreat to defendable space. And you can start to feel the first mm, little fingertip movements of it in America when you look at the way we're starting to gather around to states that feel most like home. You can start to feel that happening and you can feel states like Minnesota, Michigan, um, Minneapolis, where I would argue Americans are leaving and are starting to be pushed out. And and that's a starting pattern that I've seen uh, developing in Western Europe. And now you're seeing the extreme in extremists uh, of defendable space uh, happening in South Africa. I think it's very uh, it's it's a spectrum, a sliding scale uh, that you can observe. And um, as much as it's interesting, it's also terrifying. Um, but certainly we've got time in America to say, make that space defendable, you know, defend that space now. And that's what you guys are doing. That's what Trump's trying to do. That's why that wall really matters. It matters. And there are walls being built, ideological walls being built in this country. But this conversation actually brings a chill to my back because what we are seeing in this separation of values and separation of ideology may even be something of biblical proportion because in the final days there is this separation that happens and i was just with a group of pastors this week who were talking about how some of this division could be fitting neatly into what many evangelical churches preach in their eschatology final days where there is this separation that happens between those who uh, have accepted god and uh, jesus christ as their lord and savior and those who are godless I totally agree with you. There is a, a huge amount of talk uh, about the final days. Certainly, um, I was in Israel this summer, a lot of talk of that, of this, we are on track to that. And certainly in South Africa, you know, you cannot, you can feel uh, the biblical nature, not just because of the scope of the place and the passion of these big old men whose grandfathers turned the bushveld into, you know, farming land that is beautiful, but because they say, you know, if tonight 
it is my night that's the you know that's god's decision and he will have a better plan for me um this sense of the final days is certainly it builds this last stand the final days it does all build together there is something epic about this um and there is a sense i think i think of being able to tell these stories as a way of us you know these narratives are drawing together you know it does start to make sense and i think actually we all struggle for things that make sense when the world is increasingly mad when we can have headlines like her penis was sticking out of her, you know, overalls, you know, when there is so much madness, we need to find sense. And sometimes the things that make sense most of all are truly biblical in nature. And I certainly feel that having, uh, you know, journeyed about as I have, um, talking to people um, whose whose convictions are, are that fundamental, almost because they have to be, because otherwise they're just resigned to their mm. fate. And, and that's not a good place to be. I, I always I want to push back on this notion of, of final days that we do not know when that's going to happen. There have been bad things happening mm-hmm. in history as long as there has been history, and there's been there's a tradition in the in the Christian Church, particularly in America, the Evangelical Church. Well, you know, God is you know the God Jesus is coming back. It's final days, so therefore I don't need to pay attention to what's happening in the real mm-hmm. world. But we don't know when that's going to happen. The, the, you know, that may happen next year. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen a thousand years from now. But we need to to manage our civilization, our country, preserve our freedom, our democratic form of government, and not assume, well, we don't have to worry about it because it's the final days and and it's going to happen next year. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's not a, I don't think it's a naivety. I think there's a duality to it. You know, if I take the South African example, they believe in this idea of final days, but they also believe in God so much that they'll say, well, it's in God's hands. I will shed my blood for the land. That's a commitment they've made. But at the same time, at a practical level, they are training at the weekends. They are training for making the final stand. They are looking at defendable space. They are out building their walls, building their fences. They're doing neighbourhood patrols. So one night, one family does it, the next night, the next family does it. And that when you ask them, why do you patrol at 2am? And they say that so that tomorrow night, my family may sleep more safely. So I love that idea. And I totally take your point. And they're, they're living that they are doing practical stuff every day. But in a more in a moral plane or at a higher plane, they also have this fundamental belief. I think you can hold both things at the same time. And that still be okay. Katie, um, any any final thoughts or where where what's, what's your next adventure? Well, yes, my my final thought is that we shouldn't be pessimistic or feel downbeat about this. There is much strength. We are part of a larger family. There are many of us who are fighting back. We are joined from Finland to Italy to Germany to America. There are many of us, and the more we talk, the more we share our thoughts, the stronger we stand. So there is a lot of positivity to be had, and I encourage people, you know, to stand strong for your country stand strong for what you believe in the wonderful katie hopkins follow her on twitter at sign k the letter t the the letter hopkins kt hopkins katie thank you so much for being with us uh we wish you all the best in your journeys and your travels and your continuing to bring us uh news that no other media source is willing to bring us god bless you thank you katie thank you very much indeed you thank you so much thank you have a great night And that's going to do it for us here on the Unite Inland Empire radio show. Tune in every week at 4 p.m. right here on AM 590 The Answer. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. 
All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.